Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, once again. In the name of your precious Son. There's no other name. There is no other way. Only one name. Only one way. To the only God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You made a way for us. Once again this morning we come. And as you say to us, we cast all your burdens onto you. Because you care for us. Help us to rest and sit at your feet. And be taught each day, Lord. Even this time, and all your people offline, online, and those who will listen in the times to come, we commit them all into thy hands. May your anointing teach us all things. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We turn to Revelation 1, verse 17 and 18. We had seen the revelation or of Jesus Christ. When I saw him earlier, he said he saw this appearance of Jesus Christ, whom he had never seen like that before. And John, the closest apostle to Jesus when he was on earth, he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. There are keys, three primary keys to really understanding the book of Revelation. So we'll always go back to it. First is Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. Second is Revelation 1.3. First is that please understand this is a revelation of Christ. It's not a revelation of us. It's a revelation of Christ. Okay, It's a revelation of Christ. Of things that is going to, and second, it's a revelation of things that is going to take place. But the center is him. If you take him off and look at all the things that will happen, you will end up with the prophecies of Nostradamus and not Christ. Okay. okay. So the center is Christ. If Christ is at the center. If Christ is not at the center, the the knowledge of the things that must take take place shortly will only terrify you. It will only bring terror upon you. But Christ is the center. The second thing is that there is a blessing, threefold blessing that is promised to those who read, those who hear, and those who keep. Then the third one is Revelation one nine to understand, to really truly understand. I John both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Okay, so everybody doesn't understand the book of Revelation the same, if it were possible. If it were, it's not possible, but if it were possible, the same Bible study is held in China or Afghanistan or Turkey or Iran or Iraq. It would be backed because they are in tribulation. As long as the church is not in tribulation, they are not interested in the future. They only want to see how we'll go with me. 
We need to understand our lack of interest is simply because we are not part of this revelation. This is written to the brother and the companion of those who are in tribulation. Like the church from Genesis 1 onwards has been always written by the persecuted to the persecuted. Moses was in the wilderness 40 years. He brought a people out of Egypt for 40 years after 300 years of slavery. So when they are hearing, their ears are different. Our minds are not the same because we don't know what tribulation is. We don't know what tribulation is. That's why we are not so much interested because our hearts and minds are still on things below. I mean, who really wants to go to heaven right now? Because I don't see any reason to leave earth. But when persecution takes place, the cry is always, Lord, when you come, when you come, because they see their only hope is in Christ coming. Christ, nobody can kill themselves. They can be killed, but you don't commit suicide. So death is not an option. Okay, death is not an option. So what is the only option? The only option, Lord, you promised. In this world, you will have much tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world and I'm going to my father's place to prepare a house for you, a place. And if I go, I will surely come back. So those words only mean to certain groups of people. We need to understand that's how. That's why how we understand revelation is different. And how they understand revelation is different. Okay, so even the revelation of revelation is given to a man who is in tribulation. So that's how it works. So the Bible says, John was so overwhelmed by the divine. And that too, I believe, is in the spirit and it's just a just a little shadow of what God really is. Because none of us can really see God. When God said it, he meant it. None of us really can see God and look because of who he is. And he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Okay? And Jesus laid his right hand on me. If you go to Revelation 19 and verse 10, I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In 1910, it's an angel. And he says, Don't. But in 117, it is Jesus, and he receives the worship. Okay. 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 You need to see the difference. Okay. You see the difference. He doesn't stop him. Okay, he doesn't stop him. I fell at his feet as one dead. But here, it is Jesus. Okay, you need to understand the fact of it. That the, why we are called to walk by faith and not sight. Sight meaning. The reason is the unseen realm is actually terrifying. Both sides. The enemy side and God's sides are both terrifying. Now he's seeing only God's side and he felt like one dead. The demonic side is terrifying in a different way. This is terrifying in another way. Okay, and all those who are in occult and who are actually through witchcraft occult able to see to the other side live in torment all the time. All the time. Even, even in India, those who are up there who do so this thing, you will see one of the common things available over there is they're all on drugs. And it is easily, freely available with government sanction. 
is available up there in the mountains and you will see them with ashes and naked one, but they're all high. Because you cannot handle the torment. You cannot handle the torment. You see under the other side, the demonic side, you will be living in torment. And you see God's side, it's a terrifying sight. It's not this kind of terror, but it's a different kind of a thing to see His holiness, His righteousness, His glory. And where are we going? And we realize how unworthy we are to actually go there. One is a terrifying sight of, Lord, I never want to go there. Another is a different kind of a sight. Where is this where I am going? How will I dwell in His presence? Okay, so He fell as one dead. Okay? And he lays his right hand on him. Okay? That's the goodness of Christ. And he said, said to me, fear not. Do not be afraid. Okay? Afraid. This is the difference, okay? Between Christ and the demonic. Here the cause of the fear is Jesus. And the cure of the fear is also Jesus. Okay? The cause of the fear is Jesus. Okay? The cure of the fear is also Jesus. Consider the goodness and the severity of God. The cause of severity is Jesus. He will judge. The cause of goodness is Jesus. You don't have to be judged. Okay. Both you need to realize. What is the cause? It is Christ. I mean, I tell people, you have to go to Revelation chapter 20 when judgment is beginning. Okay, and verse 11, 20 and verse 11. Okay, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. This is Jesus. And what is that? From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Why will be able to, Revelation 21 says, his servants will see his face. Why is that creation flees from his face? So the cause and the cure is Jesus. The cause of the fear is Jesus. This is who he is. The cure of the fear is also Jesus. Do not fear. Do not fear. Okay. Why did he fall like one dead? Because he saw him. Why does God say you don't have to fear me? It is Jesus. Okay. So in verses 17 and 18, okay, Jesus makes five claims of deity. Okay, five claims of deity. And it is emphasized by two words, that is, I am. I am. Okay. Now, I am, if you turn with me to Exodus, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, is the covenant name of God. Exodus 3.14, Exodus 3.14, when Moses asked, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to. This is a covenant name. Which is only with Israel and with us. I am that I am. And they say, you have that Hebrew word tetragrammaton. It has no vowels. It has only consonants. And its transliteration is Yahweh or Jehovah. But nobody knows. Nobody, because there are no vowels there, nobody knows. But the closest we can get to it is 
Yahweh, but they don't even pronounce it. Okay, the the Orthodox Hebrews don't even pronounce the name of God, but but that is I am. I am would mean self-existing one. Okay, and the thing is that Jesus identifies himself with the I am. That is the signature of God. Okay, and he says, I am the first. I am the last. We will just recap once again. Isaiah 41.4 and Isaiah 44.6. Who has performed and done it, calling generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am He. Who has performed and done it? Now think about it, right? Who has performed it? Whether it is an individual or a nation. He, Abraham says, how will I know? God says, okay, we'll have a covenant. And when the covenant is taking place, you know what happened? Abraham is put into a deep sleep and he's able to see 500 years into the future. Before that, he's able to see thousands of years into the future and he's able to see Jesus and believe in him. Who is able to do that? I, the Lord, am the first. And with the last, I am He. This is who He is. I am the Lord. I am the first. I am the last. I am He. And Isaiah 44 and verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first. I am the last. Beside me, there is no God. So these are the signatures of God in the old covenant. And Jesus is using the same language. He's saying, I am that I am. I am the first. I am the last. Okay. In Revelation 1 16, sorry, remember, he had said, I am the Alpha. Okay, no, not sixteen. Yeah. I had, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Earlier he had said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And here he's saying, I am the first and the last. So, recapping again, Alpha is the first letter, Omega is the last letter. Okay. So, when he's using the terms, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he's using, expressing his deity in terms of language or meaning. Language or meaning. Okay, when he's using the term first and the last, he's expressing his deity, his divine nature in terms of time. So whether it is in meaning or whether it is in, these are the two things we are caught in because if you try to remember most of, I think I can go back to a couple of incidents when I was five years old and then trying to go beyond that, there's no meaning other than what you have heard from your mother. There is no meaning. You don't, you can, you have only hearsay. You do not remember. You are caught. Alpha and because from there your meaning has gone. Your understanding has gone. Okay? Meaning. So that's where he says, I'm the alpha and the omega. When he says, I'm the first and the last, it's not talking about meaning. It's talking about the other thing we are caught in. No? That is time. Okay? Because these are the issues we face. One thing is that we say, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Okay. Second thing is that I don't know when it is going to happen. So we are caught with this. I don't understand. And we are caught in this time. I don't know when it is going to happen. God says, don't worry. I'm your alpha and your omega. And I'm your beginning and 
your first and the last. So none comes before the first and none comes after the last. So God says, Jesus has set the boundaries of creation, time and history. That's why we do not have to fear. The reason is when God says, do not fear. Okay, okay do not fear. Okay, a father tells a child, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, Pastor Vijay cannot tell Abigail, don't be afraid of the lizard, because he is afraid of the lizard. Okay. Don't be afraid of the dog, he cannot say. Because first, before he can say that, he has to conquer that fear. But when God says, do not fear, any man says, do not fear, there are limits to it. When God says, do not fear, and he tries to put it across in our understanding. You don't have to fear because, you know what, as far as your understanding goes, I am there before that beginning and I am there before that end. And as far as your time is concerned, I am there before that beginning and I am there after that end also. Therefore, you do not have to fear because reasons have to be given. Reasons have to be given. No, people have to give. And so the more powerful a person is, the more his words have weight. Okay? Words can like like temptation. So is security. Like temptation is also, like I said, it depends upon the vessel it comes through. In the same, security also is the same. No, do not fear is a word of security. Okay? Don't be afraid, meaning I got it. You don't have to worry, I've got it. Okay, I got it. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. When God says, do not fear, and he's also telling us, why should I not be afraid of? Because Jesus is the first and the last. So the question is, if he's the first and the last, we are all caught somewhere in the middle of life. Okay, And we are always worried about the middle. What is going to happen? What is going to happen each day? And God says, don't. That's one of the reasons. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. Okay, we, 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 we know Matthew 6.33. It's the middle on the Sermon of Mount. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. And then he says, what? Don't? Anxious about? No, no, 6.34, 6.34, okay, it's, it's, I have no control over tomorrow, okay? Hmm? Tomorrow doesn't mean tomorrow, tomorrow means future. So don't take tomorrow strictly as tomorrow, tomorrow means future. Okay, tomorrow means future. Do not worry about your future, because future will worry about its own things. You just take care of today. We take care of today. And why is it? it? Because God is there in the tomorrow. God is there in the tomorrow. And we are always caught somewhere. He said the first and the last. Go to Matthew chapter 14 and let's read uh, verse 22 onwards. Okay, 14, 22. Matthew 14. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. We know the situation. This is after the feeding of the 5,000 by where they wanted to by force make him king. king. And then 23 to 24. Yeah. Hmm? Got it? 
Yeah. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. And evening came, he was alone there. Now, the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Okay. Now, if you come to John chapter 6, same incident, 6 and verse 20, 21. Okay, he started, okay, if you go to 19, okay, verse 19. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking in the sea and drawing near the boat and they were afraid. And he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And they willingly received into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. If you look at it, this is a practical thing about this thing. He was in the beginning. It was in the beginning, okay? And he told them, go to the other side. And he went to pray. And they are caught in the middle. They can't neither go back, no go forward. They are stuck there. The wind is contrary. And that's what life looks like. Okay, well, life looks like. Can, can anybody go back? You can't go back. That's what poor Dicodemus is asking, be born again. He says, how can I get back and be born again? There is no way you can go back. And the problem is the wind is so contrary, no, nothing seems to be moving. You are stuck in the middle. And then they see Jesus coming. So he was in the beginning. Now he is in the middle. And once he gets in, he is at the end. Okay, so that's a simple practical thing about, about Jesus. So, so, and John was in the boat. John was in that boat that day. Okay, so to that John, he's saying, you know what? I'm the first and I'm the last. You don't have to worry. Yes, you're caught in time. The one who's speaking to is outside time. He says the beginning and he has seen the end in Isaiah 46, 44. You see, one of the most, I've had incredible experiences which I don't try to tell because life shouldn't be built on experiences other than your life. Others should not build their lives on somebody else's experiences other than learn from it. Like one of those experiences was of course my death experience. The second was when that prophetic voice told me about my house in heaven. Okay. No, that is far into the future. How far in the future? You do not know. That man just, I mean, he was a, practically a stranger. He said, I see your door. <laughs> okay. Now, these are symbols. Now, he was not seeing the door. He was not seeing the door. What is seeing the spirit? What you say? These are symbols. He saw the door and he says the door is studded with precious stones. He was seeing something else. So, suddenly that gives you hope. Okay. That means I will end well. You're caught in the middle. You're neither going backward nor going forward. Everything says we, but there is something that has been seen. The end. The one who is at the end. Okay, end. If you go to John chapter 21, that is what, uh, I mean, you don't have to go there. That's what Jesus, Peter asked. What about him? That's about John. He says, what if he remains, remains alive? Peter also God says something. He says, this is how you will die. This is how you will die. So something in the far future has been already been foretold. So when you are arrested and put in prison and Herod is planning to execute you tomorrow, it doesn't matter because something has been seen ahead and that cannot be revoked because the one who is outside and time has already determined things for you. So for Peter and John and all this, this is where why we do not fear. 
Okay, because the devil will always cause us to fear looking at tomorrow saying, look, you have no control at all. Your tomorrow is gone. And you have to say, you're absolutely tr true, right? Devil have no control, but the one I believe is in absolute control and my tomorrow is secure. Tomorrow. That is what Hebrews 4 is talking about. Laboring to enter into his rest. Laboring. It's the most difficult part of each day is entering into his rest. Lord, you are in control. Help me, help me, help me to believe. Then only I can go out and do what I have to do. So if you look at Isaiah, you know, Isaiah 46 and verse 4. Even was okay, keep that in mind. I always say this is one of my favorite verses for older people. I'm not old, only my hair is white, okay? My hair is white, okay? <clears throat> Okay. Even to your old age, I am he. Even to gray hairs, I will carry you. It is not that when your hair is gray, I will carry you. No, that's not what he's saying. He says from the beginning till your old age, I'm the one who carries you. You think you're walking. He says, no, I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Okay. So these are very, very comforting voices because these are the words you need because when somebody is old and infirm what is that you tell them you have no words of your comfort man's words of comfort will they will hear they will feel comforted and when you leave the comfort goes because it does not have that power what has power is god's word god's word has its power because it cannot go void because the one who spoke it is god it cannot go void. It will achieve the purpose for which it has been sent. So this same God who spoke this to Isaiah, through Isaiah, to Isaiah, is speaking to this thing. Don't have to worry. You may be old, but I'm older. <laughs> John, you are old, but I'm much, much older. I've been there in the beginning, before your beginning. Okay. You think your hair is white, mine is pure white. Okay. Not one black hair. Okay, so he's really comforting. Okay, over there he says, you know what? And he says, what is that? Do not fear. And so all who have gray heads, mark Isaiah 46 verse 4. Because, no? That's why old age homes are some of the saddest places where you see people have been abandoned. In India, other western countries, they are much more better, much of facility. But here it is so sad. They have been abandoned over there. But to them, when you go, what do you say? God carries you through. So he was there and he before and he will be there at the end. This is the only way we'll be able to tackle fear. So God says, do not be afraid. Why should I not be afraid? Because I am the first and the last. If you turn with me to Isaiah 41 verse 10 and then verse 13. 41, 10 and 13. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will, we will read the poem all the way to 13. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my, look at, I am, I will, I am too, I am. I will, I will, I will, I will. Who is saying, for I am with you? Do not be, I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Therefore, do not 
fear. Behold, all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. This can be true for John too. The whole Roman Empire is against you. Put you away. Don't worry. They shall be all put to shame and disgrace. They shall be as nothing. John's letters still continue, still bless millions of people. Roman Empire is gone. All the Caesars have gone. Everyone. You have to read one of Shakespeare's which play I forgot where he talks about Caesar's skull which is full of clay. Ratus made his nest in it. That is Caesar who once made the world tremble. But John, John still speaks. That's a skull on which the wreath, the golden wreath and he made the Roman Pax Romana and I says, what is that? It's gone. That's gone. But those, all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. And you need to be true. Every nation that has either fought Israel or the church will become non-existent. Non-existent. Where is Egypt? Where is Babylon? Where is Persia? Where is Greece? Where is Rome? Non-existent. So these are all what God who is at the end has already seen and is already seeing and all these things have come to pass. Okay? And for why should all be? For I the Lord your God will hold your right hand saying to you, fear not I will help you. And the same God is now appearing in a vision to Paul, to John in the island of Patmos. And because he fell to like one dead, he put touched him with his right hand and he said, fear not. You don't have to be afraid. Why? I am the first and I am the last. And then I am he that lives. I am he that lives, who lives or the living one. This is the only place, if I am right, where this title is used. I am he who lives. Okay, the only place where it is written in this format. I am he that liveth, KJV, or I am he who lives in KJV, or other translation. I am the living one. But it is true. Because unlike us, unlike us, Jesus does not just have life. He is life. That's the difference between him and us. The difference between him and us is we have life. He is life. John chapter 5 and verse 26. And then John 14 and verse 6. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. We don't have that. We don't have that. That's why God will never die. That's why even though Jesus in his humanity died, in his divinity, he never died. Never died. Because he has life in himself. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life. So when he is saying, I am he that lives, I am he who lives, it is not the same meaning like I am saying, I am living. It's not. Okay? And then, because the reason is this, because everyone is seeking life. And everyone has 
their own idea of life. But Jesus is life. That's why the Bible says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So all around the world, there are dead men, women and children walking simply because they do not have the Son. So our job is to see that the Son is revealed. They receive the Son so that they can have life. Okay, so he's the one who lives. He is life. Okay, so how can I be saved? Because I am. Jesus is the way. I can. How can I be very sure? Because he, Jesus, I am, is the truth. And how can I be satisfied? Because he, Jesus, I am, is the life. That's why people are discontented because they do not have Jesus. And the pitiable ones are those who have Jesus and are still discontented. That's why if only in this life you have hope, you are the most pitiable of people because you are not looking at the life that is real and looking at the life that is temporary. So you should be because Jesus is life. And he says over there, I was dead. Behold, I am alive forever and ever. It's a powerful statement. Behold, I am he who lives. I'm life. I always live. But I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. If you have to choose between a man who has read everything about flying and a man who has actually flown an aircraft, who would you fly with? All religious teachers and founders are dead. Still dead. There's only one who was dead and is alive forevermore. So who do you choose to follow? Everybody's grave is dead. They're all dead. That's the question. That's why you, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are intimately connected at the center of our faith. We need to realize that is the block for a lot of people. Because if you do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus is just a good teacher. And all religious people accept Jesus is a very good teacher. Follow from the president of India down, everybody will on Christmas Day give us this big statements, follow the teachings of Christ. He was a great teacher who laid down his life, but they don't say he rose again. <laughs> they, because that will change the whole narrative. Okay, That will change the whole narrative. Because if you speak on the resurrection, then your whole thing. So you need to realize, yes, he was dead. So the question is, why did he die? And behold, I am alive forevermore. Okay? So he is giving the reasons to John <coughs> why you don't have to fear. Okay? Because you need to realize the most fearful thing, two things 
in the religious spectre, which is all around the world. Even the atheist is afraid. One is death, the other is hell. Okay. These two things. Where do you go after death? Okay. Otherwise, everybody should be happily going to their death. You know? So there is something called death, which is a cessation of life. And then life as we see in the material realm. And then you have to use see. Nowadays, of course, barbershops have all changed. In our childhood, when we grew up, barbershops were full of pictures of Hindu gods and of hell. Where you have Agni and fire and people being chopped into play pieces. All kind of pictures. You just looked in the mirror and wanted to get out of that place. (laughs) So in every religion, if you realize, except Buddhism, which was not a religion, because Buddha never talked about God, so it is not a religion, it is a set of precepts. There is this fear connected with hell. Terrible fear connected with hell. Okay? That is why you don't have any temples to that fellow who comes on that buffalo. Okay? Okay. And you can freely eat the buffalo. They have no issues with it. Okay? You don't touch the cow, but you can eat the buffalo because that fellow comes on the buffalo. Death is a very scary thing. You need to realize death is a very scary thing. I think it was Stalin's daughter, if I am right, who said the horror of watching her father die. Yes, yes. Stalin, who made Russia, killed millions of his enemies, okay? He died in terror. He died in terror and torment because he was seeing the place where he was going. Okay, so you need to realize this terror of people dying and sometimes you see people dying in terror because they are able to see where they are going, see the demons. And then you see the other people dying in peace. Because they know where they are going. And Jesus makes it very clear. This is absolutely true. The rich man went to hell. Lazarus went to Abraham. The angels came and escorted him. This other fellow, it doesn't say, but was dragged in by the demon. So this is a very, very fearful thing. So death. So he says, you know what? You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I am who first lives. Okay, I am life. Second, I was dead. Like you, will die one day in your humanity. I too in my humanity was once dead. But you have hope. What is that? I am alive forevermore. This is what the Bible talks about in its first Peter one six. Yeah, first. Yeah, that is our hope. See, everybody needs hope. Okay, hope is not connected with this life. Hope should be about other. Yes, one three. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay. That is our living hope. What is that? Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore, nobody has to fear who have believed in him have to fear dead death anymore. So he says, I died. I was dead. But behold. But behold, he says. Okay, The Bible doesn't explain how it happened. How can you explain eternal life dying? It only says life ceased. The living one died. 
the bible only focuses on why it happened it doesn't tell you how it happened it only tells you why it happened why did he die he died as atonement for our sin doesn't tell you how it happened because inexplainable how can you can know how you and i will die it's very easily explainable from the bible what is that wages of sin is death born in sin shaped in iniquity we will have to die one day but why did he die how could he die okay so it doesn't tell us how he died yes i was dead but behold i am alive forevermore so the bible doesn't tell us how he died i mean we are not talking about the crucifixion and all we are talking about the the unseen realm how can the eternal one die it's a question how can he die he is life he is forever and ever how can he cease existing because he is the self existing one what it happened in the human level we only know why it happened why did it happened because he was our atonement as our sin okay so in revelation 5 and verse 10 hmm? oh the not fair yeah they saw the lamb that was uh, yeah got it yeah six and i looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent out into all the earth okay so you have it there jesus the lamb worthy is the lamb that was slain that's a song they sing worthy is the lamb that was slain and we see that in you uh, know and uh, uh, in genesis chapter 4 in 4 you will see abel is offering the firstling from his flock the shepherd offers the lamb a little later the shepherd is killed okay so we have the picture jesus was the lamb of god but for us he was our shepherd so god offered the lamb and we killed our shepherd okay so you have this picture okay because christ is both lamb and is both shepherd so in the resurrection is where the completion of the work of christ why this is important is because the antichrist final deception is the resurrection okay the final if you go to revelation chapter 13 and verse 1 and verse 3 i stood on the sand of the sea and i saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and 10 horns and on his horns 10 crowns and on his heads a blasphemous name so a beast is going to rise and god will allow him in the human level to have seven heads and 10 horns complete authority will be given to this fellow on earth and i saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast okay because he will imitate resurrection he was not killed but he will pretend he was killed and he will come back pretend he will come back because resurrection is the final frontier the devil and the man has to conquer there's only one man who died every person in the old and the new covenant who was raised from the dead died again 
Jesus is the only one who died and is risen again with that new body. Others are disembodied spirits or souls in heaven or in hell. Nobody has their body. So Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. And that has to be imitated for the whole world to follow finally. Because that is one thing nobody can claim. Okay. So the devil will ultimately fool. And if you come to verse 11 and 12, you will see the difference how he will. Okay. I saw another beast coming out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. He will also pretend to be a lamb with little two studded horns. But he will speak like a dragon. Okay, he will he will look like a lamb, but he's not a lamb. He will speak like a dragon, and he exercises all the authority of the first beasts in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So you will realize these are things that will happen in the last days. There will be a false resurrection, there will be a false Christ, Antichrist, and he will make everybody worship him. Because then why will all the world follow him? Because he mimics resurrection. Because resurrection is the most important important even in human history. It's not just, see, even the death of Jesus Christ on the cross without resurrection has no meaning. If he died on the cross and never rose again, we just died with him. We never rose again. Forgiven but dead. It's like the, the surgeon saying, how was the operation? Successful, but patient is dead. <laughs> very good operation. <laughs> Stitches are all very good also. Everything perfect. How is the patient? Patient died. That would be Jesus on the cross died who never rose again. Perfect Lamb of God. Without blemish, without spot, everything took the whole humanity's sin and he died. And we died. He didn't rise again. We will also not rise again. So resurrection is fundamental and resurrection is against which the whole world stands because you know they don't even have issues with Jesus. Nobody debates the question Jesus died. He died on the cross or he did. That is not the issue. The issue is the resurrection. The issue is the resurrection. If you rose again, then there is an issue. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ is unique and different. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 24, Apostle Peter through the Holy Spirit says, Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. Okay, that's why he's telling John, I was dead. I was dead. But now, behold, I'm alive for evermore. Because death had no power to hold him. So Jesus is not only our crucified, but risen Savior. And he says, I am alive for ever. Romans 6, 9. What does it mean, Romans 6, 9? Okay, Romans 6, 9. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. That's why the church is called the body of Christ. If death has no dominion over him, over the head, then death has no dominion over the body. Okay. Death has no dominion over him. Death has no dominion. And what does it do to us because of him? Hebrews 6 and verse 20. And then 7, 23 to 25. 
where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest. That word, not just high priest. There were many high priests. Forever. Forever. How? According to which order? Not the order of Levi, but the Lord order of Melchizedek who was both king and priest. Forever. So he's reigning over the affairs of this world. He's reigning specially for the affairs of his children. That is why forever, he's, he's alive forever, we'll say alive forever in what order? This order, order of Melchizedek. Because if he's alive forever in the order of Levi, he just doesn't have much power. Levi doesn't have much power. Melchizedek has power because he's not just priest, he's king. He's not just king, he's also priest. So he's telling, I'm alive forever in this order, so you don't have to fear. I'm in charge of your life. And also, what does he do? Chapter 7, 23 to 25. 7.23. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever. I am alive forever. He continues forever. So what does he have? He has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, because he is alive forever and he has an unchangeable priesthood, what happens? Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always loves to make intercession for them okay this 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 is why when he says I'm alive forever more so you'll say okay he's alive forever but what good does it do me in what order is he alive for one he's in the order of Melchizedek because Melchizedek is king so he's king over my life forever he was king before I was born he'll be king after I am dead so I don't, he's in control of my life. Second, he is not an, one, he's not an ordinary, like you have to look at this forever and what his function is. How does it change my fear? Because one thing, he's not like, he's not like an ordinary priest. Because in his case, he was tempted at all points and yet did not sin. Not some points, not most points. All points. One. Two. He did not sin. And therefore, what happened? He sympathizes with us. Sympathizes with us. You think about priest in the terms of a normal Hindu temple. There is a priest over there. Devotees come. They take whatever offering. The priest doesn't know them. They don't know the priest. So, it's like fast, 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 move, 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 give it to and going. He doesn't sympathize with them. They don't know. They can't talk to him. And churches also become like that. Okay? Also become, become like that. Think about a Catholic church with a man. The priest is sitting in the confessional booth. And there is a screen over there. People come. And they say, they since he says something like, no, us, water. It's going on. He doesn't understand them. The same routine. One says, I have committed murder. He says, seven prayers. Other says, I lied seven prayers. He doesn't know what he's saying. They'd, it's, but that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. He's a priest. One who is in control. Who is in control. See, that's what you're talking about. Because if you are a priest in the Levitical order, he has no power. He has no power. 
But he's not in that order. He's forever in a different order. As Melchizedek, one, he's king. So he has absolute power to change our situations. Second, he's also able to save us to the uttermost. Uttermost. To those who come to God through him. Why? Because he is alive not only forevermore, he always lives for us to make intercession for us. Okay? And what does he say going back? 117 and 18. Right? And I have the keys. I have the keys. Okay? Keys, not just, okay? Now I have the keys does not mean in us, for us, keys means access. But that's not what it means. It means authority. Keys does not mean access alone. Okay, you go to a government office, the keys with the peon. He comes in the morning, he opens, he does cleans, and then the sahab comes. So he has the key, it does not mean he only has access, he does not have the authority. The question is, who gave you the keys? So keys here does not mean access. Keys here means Authority. So that's what it says. And he says, I have the keys. I have the authority. Okay? He says, this is, okay, he says, I have the authority. What? Keys, authority to determine entry and exit. I have the authority to decide who gets in, who gets out. Remember those days when we lived in Mahatipatnam and the even airport flyover was being built during the times the government talked to the army and the army gave us permission to drive inside to come out to make easy traffic. But the problem is the army CEO made a rule. That time helmet was not compulsory. But the army made it very clear nobody should be allowed into that one road, just one kilometer without a helmet. And you know who lives in that area, community. Every father is rushing to school with his children. That man will not let even a child go through without a helmet. You tell him whatever he says, He has the key who enters, who exits. I'm just imposing his orders. That is authority. So angels and all do these things. Angels took Lazarus and brought him to. But angels are just following Jesus' orders because he has the key. The key. The exit and the entry. Entry and exit is determined. See, he is giving us the reasons why you should not be afraid. Why? Because these are things we are afraid of. So it talks about authority. If you come to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, another place where the word key is used, 3, 7 and 8, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things say who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Why? The reason is, you see, you have very little strength. You have very little strength. Okay? When you have very little strength, okay, you have very little strength, meaning it means you have no influence. You have very little strength. You have no influence. Okay? Because influence, like we see, always say in English, it's not uh, what you know, it's who you know. And this is a church who has no influence in this world. And God says, you don't worry. Why? Because I have the key. 
I have the key of David. Meaning the throne of David, I have the key. Who opens? He says, if I open a door, no one can shut it. You don't have to worry, no one can shut it. And if I shut a door, no one can open it. Okay, so that's what a key does. What does a key do? It opens and it shuts. It decides entry, it decides exit. If I open it, no man can shut it. If I shut it, no man can open it. So his comments is fear not. Fear not. Because in Matthew 28 and verse 18 says all authority. Not some. He says all authority. Not some. Most all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. And that is signified by the key. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you don't have to fear. Absolutely. We still have to believe it doesn't matter what we see happening around the world, the World Economic Forum and all of them coming back with that. They are coming and it's, it is very terrifying what they are coming with and we understand much more today what the mark of the beast is and why if they take it no one can be saved we start understanding what they are coming up with but we need to realize all authority is with Jesus we don't have to fear them it's not with them they can make all their plans they can have all we do not have to fear them we fear him because all authority and all the key is with him so we need to be very careful okay so he says I have the keys to what? Death and Hades. Okay? Death and Hades. Two things, like I said, every man fears. Okay? Death is the state where the soul departs the body. When a person dies, death claims the body. And soul, Hades claims the soul. It's a common usage in the underworld it was called. Okay, in Greek mythology, you had to cross a river called Styx, and I think its fellow's name was Charon. Charon. I think the guy, a boatman, and he will row you across the river Styx, and you go to the underworld, and you put in the dead body's mouth a coin to pay him. It's a river of forgetfulness. You cross over there, and you forget all this life, and there you are claimed and taken into the other world. So every culture had their own to deal with death. And the place where you call, called, which is called uh, Hades, the Greek word. Okay? So two things people are afraid of. One is death. And death is a cessation. Your soul has left the body. The body goes one place. The soul goes another place. Death claims the body. Hades claims the soul. The question is, where do you go? When it departs. Okay. So you need to understand. When Bible is using the word death. And Bible is using the word Hades. It is difficult for us to understand. You go to Revelation chapter 20. And verse 13 and 14. Final, final judgment. See gave up the dead. Who were in it. So all the dead are not in Hades. See gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged. Meaning, bodies are in different places. Souls are in different places. Not like what we think. But when Jesus says, arise, everyone will arise. This is the second resurrection. Where the dead will stand before him. So if you go strictly by this, what is death? 
Let us say, if I were to say, let me use this example. Hyderabad is a beautiful city. What are we talking about? The place. Hyderabad is a beautiful city. We are talking about the place. But if I say Hyderabad is a wicked city, we are not talking about the place. We are talking about the people. Yeah. But both incidents, I use the word Hyderabad. Hyderabad is a beautiful city. Place is beautiful. Hyderabad is a wicked city. Now we are no longer talking about the place. We are talking about the people. So when you when you read Revelation twenty one, I saw the city as a bride. Is the city a bride or the bride a city? Are you talking about the place? Are you talking about the people? The thing is both. Both. So we need to understand when he's talking about death. Is it a spirit or is it a place? Answer both. Is head a spirit or is it a place? Both. It's both. So there are so many things which we will not understand because we are caught in this realm. We are caught in this realm. We will not understand. We are caught in this realm. But we need to understand when Jesus says these are the two biggest fear of people. One is this death. Second is where do I go after I die? To deal with this issue, so many things had to be like Hinduism, Buddhism, migration of souls. You come back and you come back and finally you go into nothingness. That's what basically you, 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 no, Nirvana, you go to. Because how do you handle? Because this has to be handled. You cannot be a religious figure without talking about death. Because if there is no death, there is no religion. Why do you need a priest? If you're not going to die. Okay, religion is the, is the result of death. Religion, if there is no death, then there is no Genesis chapter 4. It's all because of death. You need to realize what death has done, death has created. So he God says, he comes and says, you know what? Death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But sea cannot be cast into the lake of fire because the lake of sea will evaporate. There will be no sea left. So in Revelation 21.1, there is no sea. Did you see? There was no more sea. Death, Hades, and sea. These are the three abodes of the dead. Okay? Three abodes of the dead. But death and Hades is thrown into the lake of fire. But the sea will disappear. Because how he is going to destroy the first creation? It is through fire. It will just, and all the water will be gone. And after that, he will create a new creation. So you need to realize, even these places. So he says, you don't have to worry about it. He says, don't fear these things. He says, fear not. Because this is man's greatest fear. Death and Hades or death and hell. In Matthew 16 and verse 18. 16, yeah. I say, I also say to you that you are Peter. Okay, Peter means rolling stone, small stone. So Peter is not the rock. His confession is the rock. You are Christ. On this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Gates signify authority. He says it cannot prevail. Why? I have authority over death and Hades. It can. So the church, he says, the church that is built on the rock. Okay. Jesus, he says, I hold the key. You do not have to fear. So Jesus uses that five tetragrammaton or the Deity of God, fear not. I am the first. I am the last. I am that he liveth. I am the one that was dead. 
and I am alive forevermore. And we should all say, Amen. Amen. And he says, I have the kings of the two things, keys of the two things you fear most, complete authority over what? Death and Hades. Where your body goes and where your soul goes, have complete authority over it. You worry about your body, you worry about your soul, have complete authority. And at my voice, the sea will have to give up, everybody will have to give up the body. And the souls will be joined in the twinkling of an eye. That is what, behold, I come shortly, does not mean he coming in a short time, meaning the rapture will be the fastest thing mankind has ever seen. It will be twinkling of an eye is a microsecond. He says in a microsecond, every child of God will receive his body. It will just be in a microsecond. It will be so fast. It will be such a fast event. The dead who are asleep, those who are living will be transformed in a fraction of a second. That's what it means, behold, I come shortly. It will be so fast. You're worried about death? So don't worry. You're worried about Hades? He says, I, I got the keys. And the minute I say, it will be done. And it will be over. So, where your body goes, where your soul goes, don't worry about it. Put your trust in Jesus. So, as we close, we look, read a couple of more verses and we will close because there are a lot of people in so many churches. We don't face it. In one of our churches this week, five people were killed, six people were killed, three children and three adults. So, so many of the things we preach, they hear. John chapter 11, verse 25, 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And John 5, 27 to 29. God has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. For those who have done good to resurrection of life, to those who have done evil to the resurrection of the condemnation, nobody can escape resurrection. Because he rose, everyone will rise. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Everyone will rise. But to those who are saved, and have obeyed what is First Thessalonians 4.18 say, the last word for today. 4.18 Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Death is not the end. Death does not have to be the end. Death is just the beginning of life. Beginning of life. Okay, so he's comforting John, saying, I was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. So we shall have Peter, and we shall pray. So all those who are out there, be comforted. He's got the keys. The keys are with him. Not with the devil, not with Biden. None of them have the keys. All these people in power and authority are nothing. They'll be here today, gone tomorrow. He is forever and ever. Those plans are all 
When we'll behold the face of your son, there is nothing to fear. Death does not have to fear, cause fear. Hades cannot hold us. We cannot even fear about loss in this life. For eyes haven't seen, your ears heard. What God is preparing for those who love him. Real life begins with you, Lord. For you are life. Everything this world has to offer is fleeting. It's like vapor. Just like our life on earth. The words of comfort you spoke to John is the same word you speak to every child of yours, even now listening. To those in the caves in Afghanistan, the deserts of Arabia, or in Egypt, or anywhere in the world. Those who are battling sicknesses in the homes or in the ICUs, battling death, battling cases, death does not hold fear for us. Because the one we saw was dead, but is now alive forevermore. The keys of death and Hades is in his hands. And he lives forever in the order of Melchizedek. Thank you, Jesus. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's a priest forever. Forever making intercession for those who come to him. And those who come to God through him, he is able to save them to the uttermost. Even today I pray people will be saved from their fears. From their worries, their anxieties. Because we can go to God. To the throne room of grace through Jesus Christ. That's what we are doing now, Lord. Father, we are coming to you through your Son. Casting all our burdens at your feet. All our worries, all our anxieties, all our fears, we lay at your feet. Because you care for us. John fell like one dead at your feet. But you lifted him up with your right hand and said, Fear not. 
And I pray, Father, each one will experience the power of your right hand even now, O Lord, and hear your sweet whisper. Fear not. Fear not. O Jacob, fear not. For I have redeemed you. You may go through the fire, but it will not burn you. You will go through the water, but you will not be drowned. For I am with you. That's who you are, Lord. The great I am. The one who sent Moses. Two old men with one stick to the greatest, mightiest king on earth and said, go tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. Let him go. I am that I am sent you. And even this morning we stand here if the world were to ask who sent you, we only have the same answer. I am that I am sent us with a word of hope, with a word of comfort, the word of power, with a word of strength that he is forever on the throne. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God and you never change. And we magnify you, Lord. We lift Jesus up. We lift all that he has done and is doing. We lift Jesus, Jesus, Jesus above all our situation. Because he will come through. He will come through. He will come through for his children. He will come through. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Therefore, we by faith we keep our eyes fixed on you. The author and the finisher of our faith. You were there at the beginning. And you are at there at the end. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless all your people around the world. Let them have a safe and a restful weekend, Lord. May your presence be each one's portion, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Once again, we stand in your presence and we proclaim. Thine is the kingdom, power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.